surging COVID cases. We are facing a storm surge, and that is something that we are facing globally. BC sets another daily record with more than 900 new infections. Multiple exposures in Whistler, the unique living conditions that give the virus a chance to thrive. And test before you fly. The results will be known within 15 minutes. YVR teams up with airlines to get more people traveling again, but will it take off? You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A rare Friday briefing from health officials today where we learned BC has yet again set a new record for new cases of COVID-19. Our daily case number hit more than 900 today. Here's a look. We have 911 new cases, bringing BC's total to 30,884. Sadly, 11 more people have died. That means we've now lost 395 to the virus. 301 people are in hospital, 69 patients are in ICU, 21,304 people are considered recovered, and 10,430 people are in self-isolation. Keith Baldry joins us now with more. Keith, we haven't had a Friday briefing from health officials in a while. Record new case numbers mm -hmm. today. Have you had a chance to look at the transmission trends geographically? Yeah, just a word on a couple of notes. We hit a couple of uh, milestones we didn't want to hit. We've crossed 30,000 cases for the first time, and more than 300 people are in hospital again for the first time. And those numbers continue to trend upwards. Today, Dr. Bonnie Henry talked about where the transmission of the virus is occurring more often than not. It had been in private gatherings in people's homes, you may recall. That was the concern a few weeks ago. That has now shifted to work sites, not about restaurants and places that have safety protocols in place, but just general work sites. She, she runs down a bit of the list of what we're talking about. We have seen uh, clusters of cases in workplaces that range from uh, car dealerships, construction sites, uh, lumber mills, or lumber places, um, a lot of light industrial places where people um, may be in close uh, contact with each other. We've had another poultry plant. Where we have not seen, and, and this is imp um, important, is when we have those plans where uh, the worker and public interface, for the most part, uh, we're not seeing transmission there. So people can feel safe going into a retail store or um, uh, an office to get services. Now, I don't want to end the week on too bleak a note, guys, but I do I, I sort of chart the, the case numbers every day, and I notice that uh, basically we went into November about 300 a day. We're going to end November at about 1,000 a day, which means we tripled our number in the space of a month. Dr. Bonnie Henry says our doubling rate is about two weeks. Our tripling rate seems to be about a month. If this trend continues, we could be looking at 3,000 cases a day by the end of December, 9,000 cases a day by the end of January, which is why it's imperative everybody follow these public health orders and really don't gather right now because the numbers are alarming and they continue to escalate and the trend is very disturbing. Right. With numbers like that, our health care system is at risk, right? Exactly. Thanks very much, yep. Keith. More calls tonight to make masks mandatory in B.C. schools, echoing the B.C. Teachers Federation earlier this week. Richard Zussman reports on the growing questions as to why B.C. hasn't followed other provinces and what Dr. Bonnie Henry is saying in response. It's not a big deal to wear a mask. Doctor's orders. It's a mask, right? It's, it's we're, Nobody's asking you to, 
to go to school naked. Dr. Kevin McLeod encouraging young people, especially teenagers in high school, to protect themselves and those around them. A decision that you make as a young person, choosing not to wear a mask or not being that fussed about this, it, it does have an impact to somebody else. The advice on mask wearing different than what the province's top doctor, Bonnie Henry, is prescribing. As rates of transmission of COVID-19 in schools continue to be lower than other places, the province only requires a face covering in areas where cohorts cross, like hallways. And when it comes to why British Columbia isn't adopting measures other provinces have, this was Dr. Henry's answer. I think if you look at the details of what the guidance that we've put out from a health perspective, it's all aligned. But it's hard to see alignment on masks. In Alberta, they are required in the classroom when distancing is not possible, but not at desks from grade 4 to 12. In Ontario, they are required everywhere in the classroom from grades 4 to 12. In BC, no student is required to wear a mask in a class, meaning parents are taking it into their own hands. I think it's important for them to be wearing masks at school. I'm trying all my best to encourage them, but sometimes it's hard for them. A beloved music teacher in Surrey who is recovering now from the virus, joining the calls for mandatory masks in classrooms. I only have opinions. <laughs> I, I, I truly believe that masks, children should wear masks too. Even with transmission lower in schools, BC has just passed Ontario and Quebec when it comes to new cases of the virus per capita, leading to many parents wondering, what will it take for the virus to force kids home and these doors closed? Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. YVR is launching a project designed to help kickstart the travel industry that's been so hard hit by the pandemic. The airport is partnering with WestJet to provide rapid COVID testing to ensure passengers are virus-free and safe to travel. Catherine Urquhart has the details. In recent months, traffic at Vancouver International Airport has plummeted. It's down more than 80% compared to this time last year. Desperate to make travel safer and increase traffic, YVR is launching a pilot project of rapid tests for COVID-19. We think this is one other way to give people the confidence that they need, that it's safe and healthy to do so if they need to travel. Enrollment will be offered to WestJet passengers aged 19 to 80 who are traveling within Canada. Those who choose to partake will be given the rapid test for COVID-19 with results of the nasal swab ready within 15 minutes. If the test is negative, they'll be good to board their flight. If the test is positive, WestJet will rebook the flight at no additional cost. We take a nasal swab and we apply it to a, a little sheet of paper that's coated with antibodies and we get the test results within 15 to 20 minutes. A portion of the study will also use oral rinses in an effort to better understand their effectiveness. But as part of the study, we will know whether we can use or replace nasal swabs with mouth, mouth rinses. The first of its kind study in Canada is a partnership involving UBC, Providence Health, WestJet and YVR. So far, the results have been really positive. We've detected no COVID, but also positive in terms of the process itself. They find it easy, they find it calming, and it really builds their confidence. Results of the rapid test study will be published in a peer-reviewed journal. And depending on those results, rapid tests for COVID-19 could become 
part of the new normal at Canadian airports. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. A new video shows a Metro Vancouver bus driver berating a passenger for not wearing a mask. I'm sorry. You're not wearing a proper mask. Get off the bus. This video is from Paul Spears on YouTube. He says the man boarded the bus near Kingsgate Mall on Thursday. The driver is seen yelling at the passenger for not following the mask policy. The passenger apologizes and puts a mask on. The driver lets the man get on board, but not before yelling a few more comments. Transling says it's aware of the video and is now investigating. There are some more changes to mask rules for anyone taking public transit in Metro Vancouver. Customers are now required to wear masks while boarding or waiting for transit at any indoor or sheltered stations and stops. TransLink will also no longer be giving out exemption cards because it can't exempt people from a provincial order. Approximately 95% of customers are already wearing a mask when taking transit. If customers see someone not wearing a mask, feel free to report it to customer information. That way we can sort of aggregate some data and find out where, um, which areas on the system are more problematic and transit police can target their resources where needed. Transit police will be enforcing the changes until the ministerial order ends, but TransLink says it could continue with the policy once it's rescinded. And Unifor is calling for more transit security to help enforce the new requirements. The union says too many of its transit workers, particularly drivers, have faced verbal confrontation and an increased risk of assault. The union says a more visible presence would help tame the threat posed by anti-maskers. The decision by both the B.C. government and TransLink to declare that face shields aren't good enough comes from a number of studies that show they are not effective. Three, two, one... That includes a company called AIP Advances, which used special photography to show that while a face shield does block the initial forward motion of droplets, they're still able to move around the visor and spread out over a large area. Another study done after an outbreak in Switzerland found that none of the people wearing masks tested positive for the virus, but several who were wearing only face shields did test positive. The experts say while face shields are a good extra layer of protection on their own, they're not a substitute for a mask. The grand opening of Whistler Blackcomb's new season this week has been marred by a number of cases of COVID-19 among its employees. As Paul Johnson reports, Global News is being told some workers have paid a heavy price for violating the resort's COVID safety protocols. Whistler Blackcomb on Friday achieved its hard-fought goal of opening for the ski season in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. They overcame many challenges to do it. We're open. We did it. On Friday, we learned one of those challenges is dealing with a number of COVID-19 cases among employees who live in staff housing there. Global News got a copy of this letter that appears to be from Vancouver Coastal Health warning residents at the Glacier Lane complex of a risk of exposure during the November 11th through 24th time frame. The number of cases isn't publicly known, but Coastal Health told Global News they have not declared an outbreak there. One resident of the complex told Global News it was common knowledge among employees living there that cases had occurred, that the company had taken steps to isolate those infected and exposed 
and that a number of young employees have been fired for violating Whistler Blackcomb's rules about gathering and social distancing. The company put out a statement Friday saying they're working closely with Coastal Health on the recently confirmed COVID-19 cases among Glacier Lane residents and that ahead of the season, they developed heightened safety protocols. They've ordered mandatory mask wearing in common areas and a no visitor policy. One person familiar with the matter said there's a challenge in having a lot of employees in their 20s and 30s who they can't control when off company property and can only expect they'll do the right thing. Paul Johnson, Global News. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says the Canadian Armed Forces will assist in the distribution of any COVID-19 vaccine. But there is still no clear timeline on when Canadians will have access to one. I know people are really eager to find out when are we going to get to that starting line? When are we going to start uh, giving people vaccines? And we're working as hard as we can to make that as quickly as possible. Health Canada is reviewing three vaccines and priority groups should start receiving doses early next year. Trudeau says the majority of Canadians should be vaccinated by next fall. The news that uh, Canadians can expect, uh, if all goes well, uh, to have more than half of us vaccinated by, um, by next September is significant positive news. Uh, and that's, uh, that's from the experts, that's not from me. And I'm very much looking forward to continuing to work with the provinces on delivering on vaccines for Canadians. As for the rollout itself, that will be led by former NATO commander, Major General Denis Fortin. He most recently served as the Chief of Staff for the Canadian Joint Operations Command. Black Friday looks more like Bleak Friday for many Metro Vancouver retailers this year. Far fewer customers on what's typically a very busy shopping day. Couple that with competition from online giants like Amazon and BC businesses are facing a grim Christmas. Why buying local is more vital than ever. Next on the News Hour. Dusty bottles found in the floorboards. The amazing discovery in an upstate New York home later. And a Calgary nurse posts a powerful message to COVID deniers on social media. That's coming up as well. Right now, though, for the first time since Black Friday became a thing in Canada, local businesses are worried about being left out in the cold. As John Waugh reports, the one-two punch of concerns about COVID-19 and the resulting explosion of online shopping has local retailers pleading with consumers to at least spend some of their holiday money locally. John Waugh has more. Black Friday is all about crazy crowds, big deals, and occasionally some bad behavior. It doesn't really look like Black Friday here. Throw in COVID-19. It's pretty dead. Stores are empty. And something about this year's sales. It's like a Monday morning. <laughs> just doesn't feel the same. I would see people with uh, tents and people with their chairs uh, sitting waiting to get that deal. But this year, there were no lineups outside Visions Electronics, one of the pioneer retailers that first brought Black Friday deals across the border. Busiest time of the year is here, November and December. Black Friday all the way to the Boxing Day and Boxing Week. The pandemic no doubt pushing some bargain hunters online, but at Visions, avoiding the pandemonium was somewhat part of the plan. We stretched our Black Friday day sale to pretty much two or three days. As businesses do their best to adapt, 
A lack of sales this weekend would be devastating to the bottom line. They've stocked up for what should be their biggest sales period of the year. And, you know, the customers are just not there. So even British Columbia's top doctor is encouraging people to support local retailers if it can be done safely. Whether that's shopping online and picking up or booking ahead or going at a time where it's not so busy. Support the businesses in your community. While many might have started shopping even earlier, worried by warnings of shipping delays before the holidays. Experts say even if it costs a little bit more, local businesses need our help. Whatever is left in your Christmas budget, spend it locally because it's really going to make a difference. Those local retailers are doing their best to compete by offering great deals to the consumer. Knowing this Black Friday might be different, it just can't be a bust. John Hua, Global News. Up ahead, the rumor racing across social media. No, Surrey RCMP is not pulling over vehicles. Mounties respond to what they say is a fictional account of COVID enforcement. But first, final arguments for Philip Talio trying to prove he's innocent after 37 years in jail for a terrible crime. Big delays and emergency crews on scene to a two-car crash here in Surrey, right in the middle of the intersection of 192nd Street and 80th Avenue. For 47 years, Kermat Collision and Auto Glass has provided unmatched superior customer service and satisfaction. With 18 Lower Mainland locations, there's a Kermac in your neighborhood. Visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash in Surrey. It was the B.C. Liberals' turn to be sworn in today. The 28 MLAs making up the official opposition were sworn in virtually this morning. Well, the party looks much different than in years past after its worst performance since the 1991 election, this time winning just 28 seats. Interim leader Shirley Bond set her priorities for the term ahead, saying her party will work tirelessly to hold the NDP to account. British Columbians expect us to do our job by asking tough questions, by raising important issues, and bringing creative and innovative policy ideas to the table. So today, we promise our constituents and all British Columbians that our team will be in their corner. Final arguments have now wrapped up in the appeal hearing for Philip Talio. In 1983, Talio was convicted for the second-degree murder of his 22-month-old cousin, and he spent 37 years behind bars. His lawyers have argued the verdict was a miscarriage of justice, while Crown says the court's decision should stand. For almost four decades, Philip Talio has maintained his innocence. He's now hoping new DNA evidence will set him free. Talio, now 54, says he did not rape and kill 22-month-old Delavina Mack, who was found dead in a home in Bella Coola in 1983. Defense says new DNA evidence reveals there are two other possible suspects. Talio, who was 17 at the time, pleaded guilty to second-degree murder. Defense argues Talio had the cognitive abilities of a child, 10 to 12 years old, and he did not understand he was admitting to killing the toddler. Mr. Talio has spent 37 years in custody when he didn't have to, trying to fight this matter, said Thomas Arbogast. The simple fact is he has suffered to his detriment because of his position. There's enough evidence this court can draw the conclusion there was a miscarriage in 1983. 
Crown says it's basically speculation to suggest Talio didn't comprehend he was confessing. Mary Ainsley says there's no basis to set aside the guilty plea, adding the DNA evidence does not exclude Talio. At best, it establishes there may have been two perpetrators and one, maybe Talio, says Crown. Talio is out on bail, his fate now in the hands of the three justices of the B.C. Court of Appeal. No date has been set for a decision. Romina Dea, Global News. Just ahead, that troubling rumor spreading on social media. It's been repeated so many times. Surrey RCMP finally had to acknowledge it. Why COVID traffic stops aren't real. And food banks struggle to keep up with demand, fearing it will only get worse. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business health benefits for challenging times. Well, here's another place no one wants to be tonight. The East-West Connector in Richmond, a three-car crash eastbound near Seven Road has traffic down to just a single lane. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside Walmarts and real Canadian superstores throughout BC. For hours and locations, visit sussexinsurance.com, open every day. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash on the East-West Connector. Surrey RCMP are clarifying a rumor that they have been issuing fines to people traveling in the same vehicle who don't live together. In a tweet earlier this morning, the department says that information is false. Officers have not issued such tickets. Surrey RCMP is not pulling over vehicles specifically to check to make sure that the vehicle occupants are uh, from the same household or following the public health orders. So right now there is no enforcement power um, to issue a violation ticket to individuals that are um, in a vehicle together and not from the same household. Food banks across B.C. are always bustling during the holiday season, but due to the pandemic, they are facing greater pressure than ever. Donation events that usually help stock the shelves can't happen right now. But as Kylie Stanton shows us, how they're making it work thanks to the generosity of others. Canned turkey just in time for the holidays. $1,000 worth. I don't have to worry about where my next meal is coming from, and that's not the case for everyone. Zachary Dent was awarded the money through his work and decided to give back. An incredibly selfless deed that's needed more than ever this year. We have seen a 20% increase in the number of new clients that are coming to see us, and then about 80% of those are saying that the reason they're coming to see us is because of COVID. According to Food Banks BC, back in August, a survey of the province's food banks showed 50% had seen at least some increase in demand since the pandemic began. In some cases, it had doubled. Since the fall, those numbers have continued to rise putting pressure on so many organizations already struggling to meet the needs of their community. Every week, 202 KD, spaghetti, spaghetti sauces. Here at the Souk Food Bank, volunteers are moving thousands of pounds of food each week in and out of the community hall, a location they've simply outgrown. I have stuff in my own home and my own freezer because we don't have room. Nine months into this pandemic, they're going above and beyond, so no one goes without. It really is a scary situation and I think unless you've had to walk in a food bank line, you don't know. 
Now, before the pandemic hit, the Souk Food Bank was serving roughly 70 families a week. That has since risen to more than 100. It's a similar situation for organizations right across the country. They're being hit from both sides. Those who were once in a position to donate are now finding themselves on the receiving end. This is really hard times for us all. Uh, you know, I never thought I would have to go to the mustard seed. Today was my first day ever. Uh, you know, and this is just, this is tough for everyone. This year, without so many of the usual events that tend to drum up donations, food banks are going to depend on donations like this. I hope that people are inspired to just give whatever they can, because every little bit helps. Kylie Stanton, Global News. In Health Matters tonight, a Calgary ICU nurse is expressing gratitude after she posted a message to her colleagues and it went viral. As Global's Jenna Freeman reports, the post highlights the camaraderie of nurses as they battle the infection and COVID deniers. As a 13-year nurse at the intensive care unit, she's an unsung hero who admits the unknowns of a pandemic has added anxiety to the job she feels fortunate to have. I want to help someone on their very worst day. If I can make that very um, strange and scary environment of the ICU more comfortable for someone when they are facing the greatest crisis in their life, that's that's what I love to do. I feel like I can have a calm demeanor to to bring people down and say, listen, I've got your loved one. We've got them. She was dismayed and disappointed to wake up to misinformation on the internet about the very real risk of COVID-19. Born from the overarching compassion for care that Courtney Jewell feels every day as a nurse, she crafted a post she hoped would reach workers in other hospitals. It now has shares in the thousands. Seeing it being shared from Victoria to Newfoundland, I, it just, it restored my faith in humanity. It's that unspoken bond of frontline workers that has helped Heather Stanley on dark days. This is where I'm going to get emotional. Um, my co-workers, uh, my boss, my family, um, they've kept me up. She's a nurse and a COVID-19 survivor, still very much recovering and reeling at the realization that people continue to question coronavirus. Every night before going to bed, I wondered if I would wake up in the morning, if my husband would wake up in the morning. Jules' post resonated with Stanley. It's a message meant not to target trolls, but rather remind them that a nurse's dedication to their duty sees past the ugliness of the internet. It doesn't matter if you come in to emerge and you have COVID and you've denied it this entire time. If you can't breathe, we'll help you. Uh, If you deteriorate and get worse, We'll be there for you. Jenna Freeman, Global News. Thank you. Yes. Up next, saving the mighty Fraser River. Many species, in fact, 102 species are on the edge. Why scientists say there is no time to waste protecting all the creatures that call this waterway home. And coming up in sports, the Coquitlam kid emerging as an elite player in the NHL and how he can't wait to get the season started. Watch the Global News and 980 CKNW Leadership Series every Saturday and Sunday in partnership with Fortis BC, Energy at Work. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. We were always told that our house was built by a bootlegger, and now we actually have some proof. The whole house- 
Yes, 86 proof to be exact. 66 bottles of it. The surprise discovery in the walls and floorboards of this upstate New York home coming up right after Christie's forecast. Wow. But first, right before we get to Christie, a new study from UBC has a sobering prediction for the future of the Fraser River estuary, but also holds out hope for change. The study says more than 100 species in and around the Fraser are at risk of extinction. But as Linda Aylesworth reports, it also says it's not too late to save them, and doing so would definitely not break the bank. The Fraser River Estuary, where that mighty river meets the Pacific Ocean, comprises 32,000 hectares of the province's most biodiverse habitat. It was here that a recent UBC study was conducted. We wanted to understand what was the state of the species in the Fraser River Estuary. What Professor Martin and her grad students concluded was that 102 species at risk live here but perhaps not for much longer. Within the next 25 years, three-quarters of those species are likely to be lost if we don't implement management actions to save and recover them immediately. The problem, according to the report, there's no coordination between provincial and federal agencies, no mandate or provincial species at risk legislation to protect them from things like pollution and development. So we have southern resident killer whales that use the estuary. We have five species of salmon. We have green and white sturgeon, oolican. We have a raft of migratory birds. Losing these species would be more than an environmental disaster. It would be an economic one as well. For example, fisheries in this estuary are worth around $300 million a year. Whale watching is worth around $26 million a year. The report went one step further. It estimated the cost of saving the Fraser River estuary, $381 million, or $15 million a year over 25 years. That's actually not very much when you break it down and it's about the cost of one, one beer or one cup of coffee per person in the Lower Mainland per year. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. All right, time to check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon uh, for our weekend weather forecast and looking forward to a nice, uh, nice stretch of sunshine, Christy. Oh, absolutely. And we so deserve it. Here we are. Once again, it's pouring rain. Once again, it's not as heavy, so you can't probably hear it, but it's raining. So I wanted to break things down. Let's have a quick look at the past three weeks. Yes, it has been a tough go. We're actually bang on average in terms of the amount of rainfall, the amount of days of rain for November. But when you look at the past three weeks, it seems to be quite relentless. We have had just sort of day after day of rainfall and today included. But when we look off in the distance, including this weekend, but more so next week, we've got a massive change in the weather pattern. And that means a big upper level ridge. Now, I want you to note that that means dry conditions, but it doesn't necessarily mean sunshine. Sometimes with this type of scenario, this time of year, we can get that trapped low level cloud that makes for beautiful conditions if you're higher up in the mountains with the sunshine, but lower down where in the cloud cover. So that's yet to be determined, but at the very least, we've got a long stretch of dry weather on the way. Meanwhile, snowmageddon in through Prince George, not only uh, are you going to see a little bit more snow this evening, but over 
overall you've had about anywhere from 15 to some localized areas 20 centimeters of snow but that is going to push out overnight now for metro vancouver we still have a chance of showers tomorrow morning especially through the fraser valley overall though we're expecting a mix of sun and cloud tomorrow so a really nice day tomorrow but on sunday that's when we're expecting periods of rain that should be the last system for the next several days so enjoy the sunshine for your saturday because as i mentioned sunday we've got another system that we're going to contend with and that's sunday into our monday before that long stretch of sunny dry weather is on the way and you can certainly see that lots to look forward to that's for sure so uh Yes, terrific conditions, but we'll keep you abreast on whether or not we'll see that trapped low-level cloud. Here's a beautiful Centra Windows weather window from North Vancouver. Thank you to John Moore for that one. You can see a crane off in the distance and him fishing, so thank you so much, John. Hope you caught a big one. All right, <laughs> thanks very much, Christy. A home renovation project in New York has resulted in some Prohibition-era fines. So we are pulling off part of our mudroom and we have discovered some hidden bottles from the Prohibition era. Really? 66 bottles of booze were found on the property in upstate New York, concealed in walls insulated with straw. The current owners bought the fixer-upper last year and were told the home once belonged to a man believed to be a childless German baron who turned to bootlegging in the 1920s. The couple say they haven't sampled any of the goods. All of the bottles are old smuggler Gaelic whiskey, a Scottish label which is still in production today. Should we sing? 66 <laughs> bottles, bottles of booze in the wall. In the Sit wall, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. All right, Squire. Was, was Geraldo Rivera there to film that? Oh, that's right. Remember that? That was Al Capone. Opening of Al Capone's vault. Oh, yeah, there's one empty bottle or something. It's all he got. Uh, okay, coming up uh, in sports, we're going to talk with uh, Matthew Barzell of the New York Islanders, one of the best young players from this area in the NHL. He's actually one of the best young players in the NHL, period. And also, for the first time in 15 years, Mike Tyson strips down to his underwear and gets weighed for the entire planet to see. <laughs> Great. Wow. Thanks, Squire. Also tonight, satellite debris. Anyone else? Well, I adopted a hellhound from a shelter. And all my plans for galactic domination are printed on double-sided paper. This is the annual uh, debate in any newsroom, really. Is it poinsettia or is it poinsettia? I think it's the latter. Is it February or is it February? Oh, it's definitely. Is it tomato or is it tomato? <laughs> <laughs> Let's call the whole thing off, as the song once said. Uh, actually, the poinsettias, as I call them, arrive on Tuesday. So. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew Barzell of the New York Islanders is one of the best young players in the NHL these days. He is one of those rare talents where his head and his hands are as fast as his feet. And he has some of the fastest feet in the world when it comes to hockey. And he honed those skills, all of those, at the Burnaby Winter Club. He's back in town right now. And, of course, like every other NHL player, he's waiting on word when the NHL's next season will begin. Crisscrossing with Barzell. In comes Matt Barzell. Walks in. Backhand shot. Scores. Matt Barzell. The overtime winner. 
Matthew Barzell has been nothing short of dazzling his first three NHL seasons, winning Rookie of the Year in 2018 and following it up with two more productive seasons that prove he's one of the elite budding stars of the game. But like everyone, Barzell is in pause mode, waiting for the NHL's new season to begin. You know, they keep it kind of quiet. It's it's kind of, you know, Gary and Don Fair kind of talking and NHLPA and whatnot. So um, as much as I am in the loop, I'm, I'm not as well. So it's, it's more so just, you know, I'll probably find out when you guys find out. Until then, Barzell is back home in Coquitlam, staying in shape at the rink. But truth be told, he's ready to go right now. Barzell and the Isles had a deep playoff run, making it to the conference finals before falling to the Lightning. But that last game was just 10 weeks ago. When we're playing games out here and whatnot, I feel like uh, my game's right where it should be. I feel like I could probably hop into a playoff game right now. I don't know what, what it is, but just when you go that deep in the playoffs and you have that intensity, you know, it's kind of the new normal. So um, for me personally, I think maybe a week camp and two, three exhibition games maybe and then get, get right at it. Barzell will have to sign a new contract before he gets to camp. He's a restricted free agent right now, but he's confident a deal will come once there's more clarity on the season. And he figures to cash in big time, somewhere in the seven to eight million per season range. But I'm not not panicking or worried. You know, I know it's going to get done. It's it's one of those things where it takes time, and you just got to be patient with it. So. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to getting back to New York at some point here and, and getting the season started. The Isles figure to contend again once things do start up. Barzell has played 30 playoff games the last two seasons and feels those steps have the Isles poised to take the last step to a Stanley Cup. Those are experiences that uh, I think have really helped me just going through those intense moments and playing in those big games and under the spotlight and I think that just really makes you a better player to be honest you know you can't you can't um, teach those experiences you can't buy those that kind of experience so you know I think we're, we're going to come back and be the same team and hopefully make another push for the cup. Well because of a COVID-19 outbreak on the roster the Baltimore Ravens game against Pittsburgh which was supposed to happen last night was postponed until Sunday, has now been postponed again. They won't play until Tuesday night. That means next Thursday night's game between Baltimore and Dallas will have to be moved as well to Monday, December 7th. At least 12 players, including quarterback Lamar Jackson, has tested positive for COVID-19 since the Ravens' last game on the weekend. Well, if uh, 2020 wasn't bizarre enough, tomorrow night there will be an eight-round heavyweight fight between Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson. It's called an exhibition match, 12-ounce boxing gloves to cushion both men a bit more from the blows they'll be throwing. Each round is only two minutes instead of three. They won't wear headgear, though, so a knockout is possible. Now, back in the day, a Jones versus Tyson bout would have been called a fight for the ages. Now it's more like a fight for the aged. Tyson is 54 years old. Jones is 51. At the weigh-in for this fight, neither man looked like he did back in his prime, but then again, those aren't exactly average 50-something dad bods either. They did both work out rather seriously for this fight. Neither man wants to make this look like a bad idea. I make a lot of mistakes. They say my whole boxing career was a mistake, and I love it. They say I did everything wrong, but it worked out right. So I can't tell you how to do it. It's going to probably look wrong, so I know if I try to tell it to you, it's going to sound wrong, but it's going to turn out right, trust me. I'm coming at him. 
He doesn't have to worry about me. If I'm going to run anywhere, I'm going to run him right at him. To a lot of younger people, Mike Tyson is better known as the guy from Hangover. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. But to boxing fans, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. is really their version of Night at the Museum. Live from Los Angeles. And Tyson is the favorite, if you care to wager on it. There you go. I don't think I'd bet against him. We'll yeah. see. Roy Jones has fought more recently. Yeah. That's it's just to watch his ears. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> All right, here's Andrea now, the preview of Global News at 11, Anne. Thanks, Chris. A heartbreaking appeal for justice from a Kelowna family after their 15-month-old son was killed in a horrific tragedy. Back in April, the toddler was run over in the driveway. The family says they have yet to see any justice. As the Crown has ruled, it will not be laying any charges in the incident. We'll tell you why. And to the season, the holiday counterattack road checks start tonight. We catch up with Surrey RCMP. That's coming up at 11. Chris, Sophie. All right, Anne, thank you. Stay with us. Satellite Debris is up next. Those uh, snow amounts are creeping up. I don't even have a segue to square. Oh, <laughs> I was looking at the little satellite debris thing in the bottom of the screen. So it's, you know, oh, standing yeah, the test little, of time, really. That thing it? has been around, uh, I can't remember when we made that thing, but it was about a decade ago at least. Okay, now, satellite debris has actually been around for 25 years. Just thought I'd say that too. Uh, this first commercial from the UK, uh, another one of those Christmas commercials they like to put out from Argus. say that love is magical some might say that you can't get enough some might say be wet take care because anytime it can dissolve into thin air when your reputation's only fabulous when your reality is only a dream but it can be because it's incredible Say love's unpredictable. Some might say love's metaphysical. Makes you feel like you're invincible. This love, I tell you, no, I can resist. When your reputation's only fabulous, that's what love is, what it's supposed to be. You and me, cause it's
all that from a catalog. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, okay, one more uh, UK Christmas commercial from Sky Cinema. On the days over Christmas, I like to watch movies. Buy tons of glitter. I have to go back to school. I wish it was Christmas every day. Fall into Three dozen snowballs. Two bad boys. Never. Y'all will never do that again. Oops. And a magical family story. Movies to make your Christmas on Sky Cinema. And last advent but not least, there. what's that? Oh, it was the advent calendar. It looked really there was cool. an advent calendar there. Okay, this last one, uh, it's kind of a group therapy session for people who probably really need it for a pure organic blonde lager. Thank you all for coming out today. Who would like to start? How about you? Hi, I'm Vitalia, and I'm trying to be more good. So this month I've been doing Schumann Free Mondays. Well done. And also, I donate 30% of my victim's blood to Blood Bank. Greetings. I've started recycling what's left of the enemy bases I destroy. Very and all my plans for galactic domination are printed on double-sided paper. Very nice. Anyone else? Well, I adopted a hellhound from a shelter. Hmm. And I've also started drinking this. It's certified organic with all natural ingredients. Now remember, Lucifer, sharing is caring. Mm. Pure blonde organic lager. A touch more pure. Sharing is caring. It Let's is. remember. Let's take that into the weekend, shall we? Even for Lucifer. All right. Quick word on the weather, Christy. Sure. So the rain will ease off. We've got a pretty nice day in store for us tomorrow. Just a chance of showers in the morning. All right. All right. Enjoy that weekend and uh, have fun. We'll see you on Monday. Good night, all.